0: Hello,
1: everybody, and happy episode 33 of Three Course Politics.
0: I'm Hills. And I'm Josh. And Hills, oh, hold on, Hills. I think, yep, we, are, we have a key race alert from one of our colleagues. Let's throw it to him. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. We're able to make this projection because CNN projects Biden wins Pennsylvania, the former vice president in his third run for the highest office, pulling off a rare defeat of a sitting commander-in-chief. With this victory, Kamala Harris is set to become the first woman and the first person of color to be the vice president.
1: Well, everyone, that was Wolf Blitzer. Uh, our prestigious—he's—he's he's our colleague, obviously. But that was on November seventh, twenty twenty, when CNN called the race for Joe Biden, and I was out on a walk, and I was watching TV for the past four like those four days, and I was out on a walk, and I missed it.
0: I—I <laughs> uh, I also missed it. I had been nonstop watching cable news for four days in a row and then was at a basketball practice and all of a sudden just my phone started blowing up and I I couldn't believe that I missed it, but I will take missing it for a Biden win.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. It's, it's, I, I don't I mean, I mind that I missed it, but like, I, I would rather it happen and I miss it. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> it didn't happen at all. Um, but w- with that, we, you know, last last pod, we gave you our predictions for the 2020 election and uh, we got varying amounts of them <laughs> right and wrong. But today we're going to give you an election recap. So we probably will do another episode on this, but we're going to take you through the winners, the losers and the lawsuit. And Josh, do you do you want to add anything on that?
0: Yeah, I just you know, this election, despite that's what we're going to talk about, despite Biden being a big winner, uh, with the Electoral College, there's lots of ins and outs in how Democrats did and how they did not fare. Uh, so I think it's worth taking a look at things that went well for the Democrats, things that did not go well for the Democrats, and these crazy lawsuits that keep happening. we got to fill you in because they're bonkers and um, you can't help but laugh a little bit. So the
1: uh, capital C crazy.
0: <laughs> capital C crazy. Yeah. So it should be a very good pod and we have lots of information for you guys.
1: Yeah, we have a ton of stuff to talk to you about. And last thing is, have you subscribed? And if you haven't, please, please subscribe. Please do so now. All you have to do is go to wherever you're listening to your podcasts and click subscribe. And if you love us or hate us or in the middle, leave us a written review on whatever podcast app you're listening And if we get five or more reviews, it will help make the show turn up for more and more people. So thank you for doing that, even if you don't like us. But (laughs) with that, uh, I thought of an interesting quiz question for you, and I will give it to you right now. So your quiz question today is, which presidential election since 1960 has the person won without either Ohio or Florida, So which presidential election since 1960 has the person won without either
0: Ohio or Florida? That's your question. Man, um, I took my first crack at this and I was very wrong. So it's a good question. Uh, Florida and Ohio are usually the two states that uh, you have to win at least one of them. Right? If you win both of them, you're in really good shape. Usually, if you win one of them, you're in really good shape. But uh, there was an election since 1960, so post-1960, where someone uh, won the White House without either of the states. So, we will tell you at the end of the show. But uh, coming up right now, we're going to talk about the winners of the 2020 election. So, we're going to talk about the winners of the 2020 election. Okay, All the people who won the ideas that won talk about the winners we're going to start off on a positive note before we get real negative so um let's just take a second right now to just realize that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the winners just let that sink in for a second Biden won and Kamala won it is very exciting It, it, it cannot be understated enough this is I mean this is the big prize I mean you know Getting Trump out of the White House is just so, so phenomenally important and so so good for democracy that this is the the, the big prize. You know, they won and everything's fine.
1: <laughs> right, Hills. <laughs> everything's fine. We 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 won and the world is great again. <laughs>
0: um. So, uh, Biden winning is the is the big winner. Um. But some other things we should talk about is. This is not really a win. This is just kind of the irony. Um, His electoral college victory uh, is going to have the exact same margin that Trump beat Hillary by in 2016. In 2016, it was Donald Trump 306 to Hillary Clinton's 232. Um, Oh my God. And then this year in 2020, it's Biden 306 to Trump's 232. I should quick caveat in uh, 2016, there were two faith faithless electors who uh, went from Trump to Hillary. So it was technically 304 to 234. But if you put you know, the actual electoral college victory was 306 to 232. That's pretty crazy. Some may call that poetic justice, I think. <laughs> right. And they would be right. Uh, They'd be right. Um, an- another win is that Kamala Harris is the first female vice president, the first black vice president, the first Asian-American vice president. Um, And we should really appreciate that in all the craziness that is 2020, we're able to have a female, black, and Asian-American woman as the second most powerful person in the country.
1: Yeah, it's a real testament to really how far this country has come. I mean, can you imagine even 15 years ago that a, a, a black woman would be vice presidential pick? I mean, unheard of, honestly.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, another win is that Biden is the first Democrat to win Georgia in 28 years. Uh, Bill Clinton did it in 92. And in Arizona, he's the first Democrat to win that in 24 years since Bill Clinton did it in 96. Uh, I think it's also worth saying that for, for all the crap that Trump threw at John McCain and how disrespected um, John McCain was by the current president, the fact that Trump lost Arizona. Uh, it's really just so, so sweet. You, you just, you mean, it's just so nice.
1: Yeah. I, it just, I, I was a little worried for a, a few, a few days when Arizona was starting to tighten really, really, really hard. And it just, I just love that the Trump team got so upset when Arizona got called for, for Biden. Even though, yes, maybe it was a little premature, but can't get rid of McCain.
0: Yeah, and and uh, now Mark Kelly is going to sit in at the same desk that John McCain sat at. That's pretty special. Um, and Arizona has two Democratic senators, which you know, if you said that you know ten years ago, that would be unheard of. Um, and now there are two Democratic senators in Arizona, so um, that's also nice. Another win is that Dems are maintaining control of the House now. We'll get into the margin, and it is smaller, but this is really important, right? I mean, it wasn't on; un- it wasn't you know unexpected, but it is important that Dems at least hold on to the House. And like I said, it's not by the margin they would like, but holding on to the House, Dems had to do it, and they did do that.
1: They did it. I mean, can you imagine if we lost the House? I mean, oh my God,
0: we'd be uh... singing a different tune here. Uh, John Hickenlooper has ousted Cory Gardner and Mark Kelly has ousted Martha McSally. They, so they both won their Senate seats, meaning that even though we're not quite there yet, Dems did pick up at least one uh, Senate seat, which is nice. Uh, and Dems do have a chance at uh, controlling the Senate, albeit, you know, probably not the best chance, but they still have a chance. There are two senators that are going to a runoff in Georgia because neither of them hit 50% uh, on Election Day. John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock are both uh, running uh, in a runoff in Georgia, and if they both if they win uh, both those seats, then Dems control the be Senate because Kamala Harris will break the tie. Um, and the last piece of good news is, lots of states did some really good things. Uh, Florida raised the minimum wage to $15. Hills, uh, we talked last episode about how uh, Nebraska and Utah still have some form of slavery as a punishment. Uh, the people of Nebraska and Utah listened to their hearts, listened to common sense, and listened to three-course politics. And they got rid of that um, of that amendment. So there's no longer slavery as a form of punishment, which is great. Uh, California restored some voting rights to felons. Virginia created a bipartisan redistricting commission. Uh, Puerto Rico voted for statehood. Oregon passed uh, campaign finance re- reform colorado votes to eliminate the electoral college and new jersey montana south dakota miss uh, mississippi and arizona all pass some form of legal marijuana use so there is some good news to sit here as we sit here november 15th um, to think about in the election
1: yeah i mean it's it's uh not only joe and, and kamala being elected, which is huge in itself, like I mean, on a state level, as Joshua just mentioned, there are so many good things that took place, right? I mean, uh, we the story of the night may have been Joe Biden and also Trump doing better than expected in a lot of places, but um, I mean, this this was an election that had some really serious consequences, and I think I think we should take time to appreciate the progress that we've made.
0: Yeah. I I totally agree and I think, you know, like you've said, um we have made progress. We now maybe it's not what everyone would have liked. It's not as far as people would have liked. We you know, we didn't pick up enough Senate or House seats as I'm sure we will we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh but let's stay positive though.
1: Yeah, I mean and and you know, I think our expectations got a little bit uh <laughs> too high after 2018 and where you know dem swept in 2017 like down ballot races like city council races and all that good stuff so i think we we had to put in perspective right like this is a major presidential election trump was on the ballot and like republicans came out so despite all that we got two senate seats we passed a lot of state level laws and of course we got the presidency i mean like we should be jumping up and down
0: yeah exactly there's always a little bit of Democrats being loomy and gloomy and saying, Oh, you know, we didn't get this, we didn't get this but um, you know, the Republicans in twenty eighteen held on to the House or sorry, held on to the Senate and they they said it was like the, the biggest victory you would ever know because they held on to the the Senate despite a very favorable map. Um, so uh, you know, let's praise the good news and now we're and now we're gonna move forward and figure out what went wrong and how to try and fix it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, there are always two signs of this coin. We may actually, even if the Senate doesn't go our way, some of the, the progress that we've been talking about, whether it's on student loans, the environment, the economy, COVID, I mean, like, the fact of the matter is that, like, Biden already put out a COVID task force and it had none of his family members
0: on it. I mean, like, crazy, right? That is very bizarre. I mean, um, doesn't... Uh Hunter Biden know all about COVID and, and how to solve it.
1: You would think that there would be at least a few Biden family members, right? Because you always have to, you know, with the, the presidency is like a family mob office, right? It's like there should be unqualified people on a expert task force, right? Just to keep them in line.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing that to think about is it, you know, with Biden going back in the White House, it seems like we'll have some norms reestablished, you know. Uh, there was a Pfizer thing about how it was 90% effective against COVID for a vaccine. And, you know, Donald Trump says, oh, this is great. You know, see, it's it's coming. And Joe Biden says, well, this is good, but, you know, let's take some pause. And we have to remember this and this, and here are the pros and cons. And um, it was nice to remember what a sensible president sounds like and what he does.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of hard sometimes to remember, like... <laughs> <laughs> the the drama coming out of the Trump White House is like not a re- a standard thing. Right, exactly. I'm excited. I'm excited to not pay attention to the news as much anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, things will. I'm excited to uh not uh, think to myself, "Oh God, what did the president tweet this morning?" It'll be nice.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> and what 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 conspiracy theory did the president of the United States share? And then Hopefully, hopefully Biden doesn't do that. But, you know, we could be wrong.
0: Right. Just just to think about for a second, folks, that it'll be really good that the president or the president elect, soon to be president, will not retweet white nationalists. That will just be nice. That'll be a nice thing to re- remember is not normal.
1: I feel good about going into the losers of the 2020 election. Josh, this made me feel really good about all the the good things that did happen from this from this
0: uh Feels like two year long election. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. See there's some positives. We gotta gotta to stay positive here. Yeah, there's some good things happening.
1: Um are you are you ready to move on to the losers? Yeah, I guess we should talk about the losers. We're not only name the losers, but we'll also give you some give some tips about what we think should happen next. So the losers, we're coming up right now. So now it's time for the losers of the 2020 election. And there's quite a few of them. But let's start with the number one loser in the world, Donald Trump. (laughs) He lost. (laughs) He is the biggest fucking loser because he sucks. He could have honestly easily won re-election, pandemic or not, uh, because as evident, 72 million people voted for him. And all he had to do was appear competent and also change his tone just a little bit. Like, honestly, seeing the results of the election right now, he, all he needed to do was just a little bit, and he probably would have won, which is scary on a lot of levels. You know, he could have just not ran as an idiot and pumped up his accomplishments, and I bet most people would have thought he was the best president in the entire world because of, you know, people credit him with the economy, and they still credited him with the economy in these exit polls at the end of the day. And now he's just spreading conspiracy theories and undermining our very democracy by convincing his believe-it-all supporters it's rigged against him, which it isn't. You know, Trump always says everything he loses is rigged. So we shouldn't, it's a sign of not being denied anything for your entire adult life. But Trump is the biggest loser.
0: And another thing about Trump I think is important is that, like you said, Hills, had Trump not gotten COVID or if in his first debate, he didn't come off as being, you know, abrasive and, you know, just mean, (laughs) um, I really think that he would have had a a much better chance and probably would, would have won. If not more convincingly than in twenty sixteen, then, uh, then he then he did. But you know, it just shows how incompetent and just how much how, how bad of a candidate he is. You know, um, he can't do the the simple things. He can't do the very very basics, and that's why he lost because he can't do the very basics of being a president. He, he's his own worst enemy here, right?
1: <laughs> he honestly he did not need to do much. I mean. Come on, yeah, people people all these political analysts always say, you know, this wasn't a very close election. I don't know. I beg to differ. I mean, the state said Biden won. He won by between 0 and like 3 points, which 3 points is like still a nice win, but it's also not a blowout victory. I don't know. This election was decided by a few states that, you know, less than a million people in a, in like five different states, which isn't a lot of people for 157 million people voting at the end of the day so uh it's it's a win for biden obviously convincingly so but it also wasn't a blowout and uh all he had to do was was a little less trump and he probably would have won
0: yep but he can't do it he's a loser and that's why he goes on the loser conference yes he's the number one loser so the next
1: one is public polling, and we'll link 538 here as well. So, and I'm going to say mostly, but we're going to talk about this one just for a little bit because, and we actually may even do like a whole episode on this at some point in the, in the near future, but I think there's a gray line here because it's not as black and white as it previously seemed on election night. So first of all, polling errors happen. They happen all the time. They happen in 2016. And just because there's an error, that doesn't mean the polls are all bad. Right, Because polling is a science and it's also not always 100% right. However, we have two presidential elections now that in most places seriously undermined Trump's support by at least three to eight points. That is more than usual errors. And that is also something that we should really talk about. Josh, you want to say anything before we go into the good and bad polling?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, everything that we read in 2020 told us that the pollsters had adjusted from 2016, that they were... know, better, the polls are more accurate, and it's just not true. And it's very, very frustrating and something that we should talk about because we have to use polling. We can't just not use polling, right? We have to use polling, right? But we need polling to be accurate. We need to be reliable. And this is two presidential elections in a row where the polling has been wildly inaccurate for the most part. And we should talk about uh, what's going on and some of the good polls we saw or the accurate polls that we saw and the inaccurate polls that we saw. So, Hills, why don't you take us into some of those polls?
1: Yeah, so here, here is where polling was relatively good, according to 538 averages. So in Iowa, there was a Seltzer poll the weekend before the election that, uh, including myself, everyone got crazy about that showed Trump up seven in Iowa. And we were like, how is this possible? Like none of the other polling shows that really she got it right. I think he won Iowa by literally seven points. I mean, so that one poll in Iowa, and, and Ann Seltzer is, I think, like the, the most prominent pollster in Iowa, and like she's known for her really good polling. She got something right. I don't know what it was yet, but she got something right. Georgia, I think the polling was relatively good there too, because at the end of the day, Biden was at maybe like point something, It was basically tied, and at the end of the day, Biden won within less than a percentage point, so I agree with that too. North Carolina, at the end of the day, it said Biden was up by like one or even, and Trump was up one, and in Arizona, kind of. I mean, polls said it was close, and obviously, Biden won by like 11,000 votes, because it was close, but most polling had Biden up more, so some late polling in Arizona was good, the early polling was not. So those are where I think the polls got it actually right in 2020. And where I think the polls got it wrong in 2020 is <laughs> a lot of places. Wisconsin, Biden was consistently up five to seven points. He won by 0.5 points. Michigan, Biden was up between five and nine points. And he Biden won by like one and a half points. Pennsylvania, Biden was up pretty much between five and six. And he, he's up by only one or two. Florida, Biden was up three, two to three at the end of the day, and Trump won it by three to four points. And for Florida to get three to four points is a blowout. Uh, Ohio, Trump was basically oh, up God. one in all the averages, and he's he won it by seven or eight. And we'll talk about this a little bit more, district-level polling. So these, these were really terrible. And these are lots of private polls that we have not seen, but... They're what some people who like are in the industry see and people who you have to pay for all this, like polling of like different congressional districts. And it showed Democrats having a huge, huge advantage in all of these congressional districts, which showed other analysts that, okay, this might actually be a really blowout win for Democrats. But it did, it obviously was very wrong because um, we're going to get to it, but we're going to lose seats in the house. So none of that stuff was right. Josh, what do you think?
0: No, I mean, I think the the polling, um, and maybe, Hills, you and I read too much into the polling. Um, the other thing I think is important to mention quickly here is that it is tough because this is a, during a pandemic, right? And so it's hard because so many people had already voted, right? So how does that change polling one way or the other? I don't know if it does or doesn't, but these all these late polls that, that showed... The race, you know, being tight like this or this or this, or that, or did it take into effect all the uh, people who early voted? You know, I think, you know, we hit 100 million people who had early voted by the time that the election day came around. And so how does that change it? Um, and I don't have the answers. I'm not a pollster, but it just feels like there's got to be a better way to account for that. And I don't know how how you do it, but polling is like, it, it, it's a big problem and it's, it's hard to know which polls to trust and which ones not to, because you're right. If you look at the district level polling, people were saying that there's going to be this big blue wave and that, you know, it's more likely that there's a Biden blowout than there is, you know, a Trump narrow win and all that stuff just didn't, didn't come to fruition. And it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, it's very frustrating. And there are some partisan Republican pollsters that we've, we've talked about that, Sometimes they got it right in some of these states and sometimes they didn't. I mean, if you look at this, the states we just talked about, it's the Great Lakes that were wrong. Um, You know, mostly, I mean, of the the five states that we listed uh, that were bad polling, four of them were in the Great Lakes region, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. So it obviously discounted Republican support even after they've adjusted their weighting. So at the end of the day, it has to be something around non the partisan non-response bias where like if you're a Republican and you have someone calling, you're either going to lie to them or you're not going to pick up the phone. Right. So at some level we heavily undercut Republican performance um, in the polling. So maybe going forward, we just have to see if there's, if a Democrat's up by two, we have to assume that the Republicans up by two. I mean, like uh, if this trend holds and you know, will it hold when Trump is not on the ballot? I don't know, but it's very clear that in the Trump era, we cannot discount Republican support until we see the votes at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. After polling, the next loser is down-ballot Democrats. And down-ballot means anyone who, you know, not the presidency, but people like Congress and state houses and all that stuff. So Dems got killed down-ballot. No, no, (laughs) we got killed. Not as bad as other years, but we got killed. We're going to lose 10 to 12 seats in the House, which we were predicted to, to expand our majority by 10 to 12 seats. We're going to lose 10 to 12 seats. And these are these are Democrats in probably, you know, pretty kind of red areas, but still Democrats who had massive cash advantages. And we lost two to five Senate seats in 2020. We were supposed to get the majority. Easy. And we <laughs> we lost it. I mean, you just look at Maine, Sarah Gideon underperformed Biden so much, she got crushed by Susan Collins. And Sarah Gideon had millions and millions of dollars at her disposal. This was absolutely terrible, from Congress to state houses. We lost so many state house races and also competitive down ballot races. And this was supposed to be the year we punished the GOP and it didn't happen. We were supposed to punish them for all their crap. We were supposed to punish the Senate for electing for nominating Amy Coney Barrett and confirming her. And Our side, the Dem side, had millions and millions and millions more dollars than their GOP competitors, and we still lost big races because we did not get our people out to vote as many as much as they did. End of story.
0: And this is is another reason why um, the polls were so infuriating. The last poll that uh, had Susan Collins up was from, like, February, right? Sarah Gideon had consistently been leading, right, in March— April, May, June, July, August, September, uh, like consistently, October, right? Consistently. And she, and she got crushed. And, you know, I think this is what makes it so hard is that you see all these polls and you see like, oh my gosh, Dems could do this and do this and do this. And then you're sitting there on election night and you're just waiting for good news. And it didn't happen until Arizona was, was called prematurely by Fox News, right? So, um, You know, Dems got killed. It seems like lots of people went for for Biden and then just voted Republican the rest of the way down. Um, And, you know, the year that the GOP was supposed to be punished, like you said, Hills, for what they did to RGB and all that stuff, it just didn't happen.
1: It didn't happen. And and we're going to talk about why it didn't happen. But the fact of the the matter is, like, down-ballot Democrats, we – at the end of the day, the GOP – turned up more voters than than we did, right? Or people who voted for Biden, as, as Josh just said, ended up not voting down ballot because they didn't trust Democrats. Like, whatever it was, we, you know, maybe spent too much on ads and not enough on organizing. I mean, the, the $100 million yeah. that Bloomberg committed in Florida, if you paid staff, staff people 60 k for a year, or if you just paid them for 60 k for, you know, until the election— you could have hired over a thousand organizers to be in communities and like paid people to get people out to vote. Like, I don't know. That sounds like a really good use of money to me, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was, it's not good.
0: Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say Hills about this, because then we're going to move on to messaging is Democrats were kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here where they chose not to get out there and knock on doors because of the pandemic. And that was a risk that they made. It did not pay off. And it's very simple to say, oh, well, we should have done this, right? But the Democrats had already made their bed. Joe Biden had made the bed of, here's the deal. We are not going to go door knocking. We're going to do Zoom. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then the very last minute in like October, he was like, oh, wait, we should probably do some door knocking, right? Had we been doing door knocking, had we done these rallies like that that, that Trump had done, you know, I think it's a different race. I think Dems probably do expand their majority in the House. I think Dems probably do do better in the Senate, right? But they made this bed. They made the bed of, we are going to be responsible. We are going to not hold rallies. We're going to not do door knocking. We're going to do it all through Zoom and fundraising calls and this and phone banking. And we're, and it's going to be fine, right? And it wasn't. And, you know, it's, it's a calculated risk that almost cost them the presidency, right? And Dems need to do some big thinking uh, in 2022 and 2024 if they want to get this right, because they got this really wrong. So this
1: is is one of the big things I think we need to talk about, and maybe we'll talk about it in future episodes, but something that we should not forget about is the messaging that Democrats had in 2020. And I think this was a big, big, big fail that we cannot discount, and it will... Or if we do, we'll decide our fate for the next four to six years. So we had bad messaging. And the reason I say that is because 72 million people voted for Trump. Yeah, of course, there were people, millions more voted for Biden. But the fact of the matter is still, your opponent's still got 72 million people with no plan. After four years of Trump, after four years of all the news sources and everything separating children, using the government to his advantage, it's still it's still he we had four years of him doing everything possible, and he still grew his vote share in a high turnout election that shows me that your messaging was really bad because no one should have, he had literally no plans for a second term, and he still got more votes so that's that's number one number two as you know whether you love. The defund the police message, whether you hate the fund defund the police message, it is now crystal clear with data that we have that it 100% cost us seats in Congress. And what we need to do is we need to change the slogan. Whether you support the policies of defund the police or not, I mean, if you support it, you need to change the slogan. We can, we can figure it out in a marketing meeting, but you cannot have defund the police be the slogan that the GOP puts on your candidates because it lost us House seats, they lost the Senate seats, and we can see that because people voted for Biden, but not down ballot, and that was a big reason why.
0: Obviously, we know this, and smart Democrats know they're not actually talking about getting rid of police, right? They're talking about re- redistributing um, all the money that that police officers get, right? But the problem is enough people don't know that. Who are not you know as well informed on the issues as you and I are. When you say defund the police, it sounds scary, and then the Republicans run ads telling you how scary it is. And you're like, well, I, I, you know, Biden won't do that. But is my local congressperson? Are they gonna do it? They're a Democrat. The whole AOC thing is so scary, and they end up you know saying, well, I'm gonna be smart here. I'm going to vote for Biden. I'm going to vote Republican the rest of the way to ensure that I get Trump out of the office, but that the police are not defunded. And, you know, like you said, it costs them in in, in many, many races.
1: Yeah. I mean, I understand what defund the police means. It could be reallocating money. It could be supporting the police with other folks who know how to handle certain situations because we put too much emphasis on police to handle every sort of situation. (laughs) That They're not mental health professionals, right? So I, I get it and you get it but millions of other people did not get it. And they only hear from Fox news, which clearly gets it, but doesn't want to tell the truth. So that's number one. I mean, it's not just to defend the police, but you know, we didn't communicate why Democrats were the best choice. People voted for Biden, but not down ballot. And there's no way against, you cannot argue against this. Millions of Americans in competitive races didn't trust Democrats to make the change they needed Themselves, or else they would have voted for them. I mean, it's it's really crystal clear whether it was ads, whether it was door knocking, anything else. The Democrats didn't make their case for future clear to them, and Trump didn't have a, a clear future. But they didn't they didn't need to hear it from from Trump. They needed to hear it from Democrats. I know it's an unfair argument, but that's where we are right now. If we want to win more and more seats, we have to go and make the case to these voters in these swing states, and we need to make it crystal clear, and we cannot say, well, the other side isn't doing it, because they don't have to do it, as evident as this election.
0: And Hills, the one thing I want to add really quickly here is that it was very clear in this election that the voters wanted to get Trump out of the White House, and that's why they voted for Biden in overwhelming numbers. It is also clear that voters wanted to keep more republicans in the senate and in the house whether it's a check whether it's a check on biden or you know they want to make sure that um, these radical left ideas don't get uh, implemented but people didn't like trump so they didn't vote for him right they would have voted for biden more but they also said you know republicans down ballots in senate house and local levels have done a better job of getting out their message so i will vote biden but everything else i'm voting is for the Republicans and the split ticket voting that we didn't think was going to happen actually happened a lot.
1: Yeah, it happened. Yeah, we didn't think it was going to happen anymore, but it happened. So Trump made inroads with with white people who supported Trump in overwhelming margins. Not as overwhelming as he needed, obviously, but he also made inroads with Hispanic voters, black voters in Florida, and, you know, especially in Florida, and in many parts of the U.S. It's clear that we can and never should take these Groups for granted. I mean, Hispanics are not one big group. I mean, there's many different ethnicities there and the same with African-Americans, right? But Trump didn't even have to have a plan and he made inroads in these communities through marketing, whether it was his marketing or whether it was someone else's marketing. They thought he was the best choice for them. And that's a big problem. Right. The fact of the matter is millions, 72 million people plus voted for Republicans because they thought they were the best choice for the country. And that is a big problem. And if we cannot get this right in 2022 and 2024, we're never going to win and expand our majorities. Simple as that.
0: Yep. I couldn't have said it any better myself. You know, Trump got his voters out right to a larger degree than I think people thought. Right. But you look at Florida. Right. And you look at Miami-Dade County. You know, that was an early trouble sign where Hillary won that by, you know, a lot, like a lot, it was like 30 points and Biden was up 10 or 11. So he's up, right? But he's not hitting Hillary's numbers, which means that Biden's messaging the messaging and organizing of Democrats in that county, in Miami-Dade, was not at the same level that Hillary Clinton was at in 2016, right? And that should tell you something about the messaging that we had this year. Another fun thing about Georgia, right, Biden actually has won few, so far, there's a recount happening, but Biden has so far won fewer counties than Hillary Clinton won in 2016, right? He, he's won fewer counties, right? He's able to drive up the turnout big in Atlanta um, and Savannah and the big cities, but he's won fewer counties, right? Despite him, you know, winning Georgia. So there is a messaging argument here and Dems need to get their shit together and figure out... What do we do wrong? What can we not take for granted? What do we have to change about our messaging if, they, if we ever want to do well uh, and not live in a conservative Republican uh, government for the foreseeable future?
1: Exactly. Exactly. We need to organize on the ground and we need to have a clear message of what we're going to do for them. Why are we going to make these, their lives better? And then we might actually win. It's, it's that simple, guys. I mean, we didn't do enough of it this election as clear as day. So the last thing, the last loser of the 2020 election was critical thinking. And we've touched about a little bit about this, but people are believing everything they hear. There's no more critical thinking. 72 million people voted for a man with literally no plan for a second term. He didn't even release a health care bill. He said he was going to do this for four years. He hasn't done anything, and he still got rewarded with votes. It's very clear. I mean, we're we're in a tribe, tribe against tribe mentality. His voters are believing conspiracy theories without any proof. It's just, you know, people are not, especially on maybe the other side of the aisle, people are not thinking critically about anything anymore. The whole rule is about, well, a candidate can't win if he's got no party platform. Of course he can win. He almost did win, right? And it's not just a Trump thing. It was a, It's a whole marketing effort. It's a whole propaganda and marketing effort. But I think critical thinking is, is, is definitely a loser of the modern the modern era.
0: It is, it is really sad to see critical thinking kind of die in this election. I don't know what brings it back. You can't make a rational argument anymore to Republicans, especially some that are so fringe that they can't, you know, believe. I mean, the whole QAnon stuff, right? The fact that, the fact that that's even a thing and there, QAnon members in Congress now, right? And, uh... Kevin McCarthy is telling people that we have to give them a chance, right? We have to let them have their say, like, you know, thinking, incredible thinking has gone out the door right now and it's all about conspiracy theories and there's, and it's really up to social media to fight this. It's up to Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, right? All these organizations have to fight this and have to block it and have to call it out when it happens. And they're starting to do that, right? But they have to do that uh, in order for critical thinking to come back, right? Because right now, you can go on the internet and go down as many dark webs, you know, conspiracy theorists, things as you want, and you will find people who agree with you. And it's sad and it's bad for our democracy.
1: Yeah, it's extremely sad and bad. And you're right. I mean, all these social media companies, they can't be absolved of this. Of course, there's a difference between freedom of speech and also companies doing the right thing to censor out just blatant conspiracy theories right there's a difference there you can you can disagree with biden and democrats you can say it's not the right co- course for the country but you also can't just post things that are blatantly not true i mean like these are private companies they should have a responsibility to to send to to police you know to police this sort of stuff. If I'm if I'm posting about how you know all Republicans, you know, eat babies, that's <laughs> that's that's a lie on a, on a grand scale. I shouldn't I shouldn't be allowed to do that on on a a website, right? Like,
0: Hills, I don't know. Let's yeah. let's put it this way: you can disagree with Biden, and you can also believe that he doesn't pray to Satan. Are you sure? Uh, I was, but not anymore. (laughs) You can, you can, you can disagree with Biden and know that he's not a pedophile. You can disagree with Biden and know that, you know, he doesn't uh, worship Satan and is eating babies. Like, you know, you can do both of those things. You can say Biden's not the right person for this moment, but he's also a good and decent human being who has suffered immense tragedy in his life right? You can respect the person and still disagree with them on a policy level. And you see some old-school Republicans like John Kasich and George H.W. Bush uh, sorry, George W. Bush – doing these things, right? And – but also be saying, like, you know, but it's it's okay to to, to to disagree with him on policy. But you have to believe he's a good person because he is. So.
1: Yeah, and even if you don't like him as a person, you can still uh, – you can still be like, I hate – I hate him. But – the election's fair. He, we lost fair and square. I mean, because they did. But yeah, I mean, we need to go on Fox News more, pure and simple. Doesn't matter how bad they are. We need to, we need to put our message in front of voters because it's very clear that we, our abdication of doing that has, has almost lost us a lot more. So,
0: Totally agree. Totally boy,
1: agree. Boy, we're at the end of the losers. Whew. The quick take losers of 2020 election. We are going to be talking about the lawsuits that are happening. Coming up next. So the last part of the podcast today, we're going to talk about the Trump lawsuits and their impact, if any of them. So Trump and his campaign have filed absolutely dozens and dozens and dozens of lawsuits in courts against the vote count, saying, you know, that votes were illegal, that hard ballots were harvested, that they weren't valid votes because they were... They arrived after election day and counted after election day, which is all just untrue and they're they're just sore losers because all legal absentee ballots have been counted, and they didn't you know they didn't prepare for that. So far, Republicans are one and twenty in the courts. The courts have been <laughs> the, the courts have been throwing out lawsuits left and right because there is absolutely no proof to the lawsuits that they're 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 putting into court. They have no proof. The only proof that they have were stories. From their supporters, who were very poorly trained at being an election poll worker and have no idea how election law works, and there are stories about people being mean to them, them not being able to get close enough, even though they were pretty close. About how there were no Republican poll watchers in the room, which every literally every present had a, you know, a poll watch. There were 30, in Philadelphia. There were over thirty poll watchers in the room. So um, the only thing that they won was in pennsylvania that ballots that came in between november 3rd and november 6th that had problems with them couldn't be quote cured and there's a process in pennsylvania that if you have a problem you can fix the problem with your ballot and then it'll count so the court they got a win by saying if your vote came in after election day you can't fix your vote anymore so they won by disenfranchising voters which it's about three thousand people i think their goal in all this is to ruin trust in the process in order for them to take one case and go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Pure and simple as that. They want to destroy everything on their way as long as they win. And uh, <laughs> I don't. I doesn't seem like they're going to win on this. I mean, one in twenty is not a very good odds, right, Josh?
0: Uh, yeah. So Trump is winning his legal battles at about a five percent. Uh, victory right now he's he's winning uh, you know his victory is five percent that's pretty small and it's worth saying the whole thing about uh, not being able to cure your ballots those uh ballots were already separated and not counted in pennsylvania right so great you can't use those three thousand ballots well guess what they weren't in the initial count anyways so <laughs> all you've done is you've prevented joe biden from increasing his margin even even more Right? But it's not going to change anything because uh because they were already separated, right? The crazy thing here is that <laughs> the Trump campaign is hoping, right, that uh that they will win and that the judges and the voters will go, Okay, uh, you know, now it's time to go back and re and re and redo everything, right? And now when you when you come across one of these bad ballots, you have to take it out. You know I, I kid you not. Sean Hannity on Fox News, he literally wanted Pennsylvania to have a do-over. He wanted them to just do it again, right? There's too much fraud, too much voter fraud, right? He wants Pennsylvania to actually do the election all over again. And it's just, it's, it's lunacy. It's crazy. It's not going to have any impact whatsoever. Every legal expert is telling, you know, folks uh, that this is going to have no impact you know, it's just they're they're just trying to appease their boss on their way out. That's it. They're trying to appease him, make him think that he's actually going to win, he's actually doing okay, you know, there's all this fraud, and it's such a big appeasement to their boss who's gonna be out of a job in two months.
1: Yeah, and they're they're doing this because they want they want their child man boss to uh be To be engaged and fight for republicans in georgia in january right it's it's all the goal of maintaining power but you're you're very right i mean these these cases these cases do nothing i mean on on fox news they said all they had a list of all these voters in georgia who were who you know based on the the election systems because they put in bad dates sometimes they put in the wrong dates that they said they were dead right and The news station in Georgia went to each one of these voters' addresses, and there was only one person of those names who was actually dead, and he was—it was something about—it was his wife who cast the ballot because it was in her name. It was something weird, but everyone—I mean, even she didn't get in trouble because there was nothing to be in trouble about. Like, all these people who were, quote, dead were alive and living. I mean— the data in these election databases aren't, aren't great, but you can bet there are ways to count that if your vote was counted twice. There are totally ways to do that. So there's nothing here.
0: And also in Nevada, the Trump campaign is claiming that thousands and thousands of people were, were dead and they somehow got to cast their vote. Out of these thousands and thousands of people, the people that were actually dead, it was 10. It was 10 people were dead and there was some miscommunication with ballots. No one got in trouble because they didn't do anything illegal, right? But it's 10. I mean, these these are such small, small margins. And that's the thing about voter fraud, right? Is that voter fraud, it's incredibly hard to do. It's a felony, right? And it happens in the smallest and the rarest of margins. And you have Republicans saying that this happens all the time. And it's just it's completely crazy and you know pay pay as much attention to these lawsuits as you want but i'm just telling you if you have a 5% uh you know um victory rate like like if you're if you're winning 5% of your cases you're you know you're not doing so well
1: right exactly exactly i mean <laughs> i every year, every time they say voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud, you know, the document cases of voter fraud right now in this in, in the election that I've you know, seen, it's from Republicans. Yeah. They're the ones who harvest ballots. They're the ones who change ballots. They're the ones there are two cases in Pennsylvania of a Republican voting twice. I yeah. mean, like, come on, come on, guys, like they know it. They also know it, too. It's, it's oh, yeah. a way to just tell their their supporters who don't know anything and don't care to learn anything. I mean, the whole sharpie gay thing, the whole sharpie oh, gay thing was that God. in Arizona, they gave Sharpies to voters and that invalidated their ballot, which 100% was not true. And the Attorney, just, attorney General even investigated because he was pre- pressured to do so, and he confirmed that it's not true. And the Arizona election officials confirmed it was not true. Meanwhile, everyone thinks that it's a big thing. but
0: Right, and it, it, also, it was also not just... Trump voters who were given Sharpies. Everyone was given a Sharpie. They, they actually tested the theory out on CNN, right? And the machine is able to read through Sharpies, right? As long as you are within the lines, right? But this idea that, that it was just Sharpies given to Trump voters is just silly. And the whole thing is silly and Hills, we should not devote any more of our time talking about this because it's just ridiculous,
1: yeah, it's very ridiculous, but I think the moral of the story is that the what's next is that Trump will lose in court for about another week or two, and then it will be clear to hope. Hopefully, it'll be clear to him that nothing is going to change, and Republicans too. It'll give them. You know, we're hoping a way to be like, hey, you lost in court a lot, so you're <laughs> gonna have to get out. We'll see, but there should. I mean, what's next
0: is that we're probably gonna see more losses for Trump in court. Yeah, I, I think that's um, definitely what's what's uh, what's coming up. And Hills, can, can I just uh, very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, this morning, everyone was freaking out thinking that Trump had conceded. Hills, have you seen this?
1: No, I haven't seen it.
0: Okay, so um, I, I'm trying to find it. Okay, he, here it is. So everyone's freaking out because they thought that that Trump conceded. Here's what Trump tweeted out at about uh, eight a.m. this morning. Yeah, around eight thirty or so, he tweeted out, "quote He won because the election was rigged. Then, in all caps, no vote watchers or observers, end quote or end uppercase uh, allowed." vote tabulated by a radical left privately owned company dominion with a bad reputation and bum equipment that couldn't even qualify for texas which i won by a lot the fake in silent media and more then everyone's like oh my god he said he won right so everyone was like oh my god Trump oh, won. Right. and then they they started uh blacking out the rest of his tweet and just saying just retweeting the thing that, 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 of Trump saying, um, he won. <laughs> and so everyone thought that <laughs> everyone on Twitter was joking that Trump had conceded. Tr- Trump tweets out two hours later, he says, rigged election, we will win. <laughs> and then he tweets out again, right after that. And he tweets out, he only won in the eyes of the fake news media. I concede nothing. We have a long way to go. This was a rigged election.
1: Oh, my God. A long way to go. I think he's, I mean, whether he knows it or not, it's very delusional.
0: Oh, Oh, I just think that's hysterical that he was on Twitter realizing that people thought that he conceded. So he has to go back and say, I concede nothing. (laughs) I concede nothing. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Well, anyways, enough of these Trump sh- shenanigans. Uh, the, voter, the, v- view, the viewers, not the voters, uh, and listeners have been waiting a long time to get the answer to your pre-dinner shock question, Hilsley, and it's coming up right now.
1: The moment you've all been waiting for the answer to the pre-dinner shock question. All right, so what's the question? Which presidential election since 1960 has the person won without either Ohio or Florida? The answer is 2020. Ah. (laughs) Trick question almost. Biden. Biden was the first president since JFK to win the election without winning either Ohio or Florida. Swear to God. That That is crazy. And in every single election after 1960, a president has won mostly both... Or, uh, and one of them was uh, just Ohio, but there has been no presidents in JFK that, that has won the presidency um, without winning one of those states, except for
0: Biden. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's is crazy. And, um, you know, I would have thought it would have been someone else. I think my guess was like in the 80s or something. It's not so. Uh, it it is 2020, there's a first time for everything.
1: My first guess was Clinton when I was thinking about this, but I was not correct.
0: Alright, so, uh, before you go, we have a few very important messages. The intro and actual music is by Brett Hillsberg, and the transition music is by Joseph McDade. If you enjoyed, uh, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. Uh, It really does help us out. Leave us a written review. If we get five or more reviews, it will make the show come up uh, faster so please write something about us uh, if you have any questions you can always email us at threecoursepolitics@gmail.com. thank you guys so much for listening to us as we recap the winners the losers and these crazy crazy lawsuits uh, Hills anything else
1: no no let's let's hope we can get to January 20th
0: yeah let's let's hope alright guys uh, we will talk to you all again very very soon bye everyone